conclude our theme about true or false. And uh, this has been a good theme. I know some of you have responded in, way, in uh, by saying things like, does it really have to end? Well, no, it doesn't. It doesn't have to end. You get to take it from here and get into your word. I, you know, in the very beginning of the theme, I, I kind of mentioned this, and in one of the messages, I used uh, an illustration about the counterfeit money and how, you know, the FBI agents aren't trained to spot the fake, but they are trained to get intimately acquainted with the genuine. This morning, I decided I, I is in San Jose, so I didn't get to grab my mom's Bible that I have is in San Jose, so I didn't get to grab it, but it's a nice, big, thick Bible with lots of good stuff in it uh, for my mom's life. But so I was looking for a large, the biggest Bible I could lay my hand on. So this happens to be my father-in-law's Bible that he gave to us, one of his many Bibles that all of them, uh, it's kind of pinkish, but I think he was looking for red. He loved red Bibles because he would always say every Bible should be red. So it was a reminder to him. But I got this Bible, this big Bible with big, <laughs> it's very popular with, with senior citizens because it's got big print. And, uh, but the reason I brought this out is because I will leave us today in this, in this last message that the bottom line, the outcome of this is fall in love with the word of God. Fall in love with the truth of God. Put no other book beside it. Put no other, or it doesn't need improvement next to it or around it. Or it doesn't need improvement. It doesn't need any compliments at all. It stands alone. This is what's going to get us through to the end. And this will always, everything that's filtered through this, you will be able to spot a fake in a split second. You will be able to discern the false, the untrue, the counterfeit in a split second. You might think, I don't have discernment. I'm telling you, if you get into this word and it gets into you, you will have great, complete discernment to anything that comes in the radar. <laughs> so that, anyway, that's our introduction today. Um, the series recap, we've gone through several messages, trading truth for a lie. Remember that one? Word twisting. Postmodernism. The truth is there is no truth. These are all false, right? These are not truths. These are false. Everything we've presented to you is false. And then you are wrong to tell me I'm wrong. The truth. And then moral relativism, you are wrong to tell me I'm wrong. And last week, the new spirituality, I'm not religious, I'm just spiritual. 
and we encouraged everybody, don't get duped. Just follow Jesus. So today we're opening up with the message of your faith, your faith will not fail. This is about you contending and maintaining and keeping your faith strong. Letting it not be shaken. Let it not be undermined in any way that you will stay strong in your faith. And one way we do that is we will resist this other thing called progressive Christianity. That's the new lie that we're presenting today. So we're opening it up with a scripture. We're going to, of course, get into Peter a little bit. In Luke chapter 22, Jesus says this to Peter. This is right at the end of Jesus' ministry. He is preparing. He is tying up loose ends. He's getting ready to leave, to go through the most horrendous cross. He's getting ready to go through the most horrendous thing any human being can go through. And he's preparing his disciples. He has his meal with them. They're what, what has been called our communion, the Last Supper, right? It, it, was, it was after that then that he looks at Peter and he says this to him. How would you like this to be said to you by Jesus? Simon, Simon Peter, listen. Satan has demanded permission to sift all of you like grain. But I have prayed, especially for you, Peter, that your faith and confidence in me may not fail. Peter had no idea what was ahead. He had no idea what was in store for him, and yet what a sobering word that you're going to be tested. Your faith is going to be tested. But Jesus is with you. Jesus is praying for you that your faith will not be. Stay strong. It will not fail. It will stay strong. And the one reason it stayed strong is, yes, Christ was praying for him, but it was also the fact that there were strong foundations in Peter's life that was imparted to him by Jesus. The words of Jesus, the teachings of Jesus, the examples of Jesus, the relationship he had with Jesus. Was that going to be enough? Yes, it was going to be enough. Because that was his foundation. It was built upon the person of Jesus. I would say, Peter, yes, he, he did, right? He went through the, the denials of all things. Because he said, you know what? I'm never going to leave you, Jesus. Well, that's not really true, Peter. You're going to deny me, not once, not twice, but three times. But you know, we, <laughs> that's why when, you, when we look at this 
and then go to some of the epistles that Peter wrote through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit when he wrote his epistles, that he's writing his own epistle. One, this is way years later, that he's writing his own epistles and went through the book of Acts. And this is what he says. In this you greatly rejoice, he's talking to us saints, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, and he's speaking from experience, though it is tested by fire, it may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Our faith will not fail. Our faith will not fail. So today, could we, could we say today that our faith is tested today? Do you think in the last three years our faith has been tested? Are we being put in the middle of a testing time? Our faith today is being tested. Because there are a lot of voices. There are voices that... They, and those voices do not speak good news. They do not speak good things. They are discrediting. They are mocking. They are despising. They discredit Christianity and our words. So much so that they attack what we believe by twisting it, turning it, redefining it. And of all things, if we're not careful, we let ourselves be intimidated. And we pull back. But this is not a time to pull back. It is the time of what we were told in Ephesians to hold up what? The shield of faith. The shield of faith when those darts come, when those, those words come, those destructive voices come, we still will hold up the shield of faith. Because the thief, I'll tell you right now, the one thing he wants to steal from the church, the first thing he'll want to steal, of course, ultimately, he does. He wants us, he wants to spoil our faith. He wants to rob us of our faith. For us to concede, to surrender, to give up. Because he can't take your faith away. But you can't take your faith away. He can't. But you can give it away. You can concede it. You can surrender it. You can yield it. Because no one can take it. It's yours. But he will try to intimidate you out of it. To give it up. To lay it down. He will try to get you to doubt. All of those things. He wants to steal your faith. But. Here's the way he's doing it. Here's what I believe the way he's doing it. He's taking away your voice. Because faith goes with your word. And your word goes with your faith. There, uh, 
I don't know what you think about Word of Faith churches, but I'll tell you, Word of Faith is very biblical. They had, it wasn't all wrong. There is a Word of Faith in your mouth that God puts there, and he's given you a voice. You are like a John the Baptist of old, that you are a voice crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Prepare the way of the Lord. Prepare for the coming of the Lord. What do you think the church is doing now? We're trying to prepare people for the coming of the Lord. And we do it with our voice. But if he can silence you, he can intimidate you. 1 Timothy 1.19. Scripture says, cling, cling to your faith in Christ. And keep your conscience clear for some people have deliberately violated their conscience. In other words, they surrendered their faith. They violated their conscience as a result. Their faith has been shipwrecked. These are some of the things that happen in the last day. In Matthew 24, Jesus warned about this. 24 warns us about the last days. Then says, and then many will be offended. I think another thing that happens in the church is we get caught up in offenses. We get distracted with offenses. I'm not saying we don't take care of them. I'm not saying we attend to them. But, you know, may it be before the sun goes down. May it be quick. May it be short. Because there's too much work to do. There's too much for the church to do. Many will be offended. They will betray one another. They will hate one another. Wait a minute. Is he talking about the church? I think Jesus was talking about, yeah. He saw this. But because then he's talking about prophets. Where do you find prophets? You're going to find them in the church. So he said, many false prophets will rise up and they'll deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, again, he's not talking to the wicked. He's not talking to the unbelievers. Lawlessness will abound. The love of many will grow cold, but he who endures to the end will be saved. Maintaining the faith, right? And pay attention. Pay attention to the signs. We all, we all remember, you remember that it wasn't long ago in the news, the submarine that explored the Titanic down there. That expedition, a disastrous ending to an expedition of going down in that submarine. And those six people were destroyed. I, I uh, took a few excerpts from the story. Of course, it's the, the explorers, a submarine expert desperately. And before this happened, then we find out all the controversy. A submarine expert desperately tried to dissuade his friend, the Ocean Gate CEO, Stockton Rush, from taking customers in the Titan submersible, warning him against the succumbing, this is a quote, succumbing to pressures of your own creation. 
And then there were emails that show about four years ago, before this happened, four years ago, Ocean Gate's Titan submersible imploded during a dive to the Titanic shipwreck last week. A submersible expert who took a trip in the vessel issued a desperate warning to the company's CEO that the sub required more testing. More testing. More testing. Are we ready to go deep? Are we ready to go deep? There's some testing coming. There's some testing coming. Needs to happen. But it said this too. In April of 2019, five years, four years ago, Carl Stanley, who runs his own deep sea exploration company in Honduras, he took a 12,000 foot deep plunge inside the Titan off the coast of the Bahamas. And he said he heard a large cracking sound during the two-hour dive. So you get the picture? There were warnings. There were signs. There needed to be more. So why do I, why do I say this? Well, what are the signs? What are the signs that our faith is letting down? Time to rise up. Don't let, your, don't let your faith be spoiled. Don't let it be stolen. Progressive Christianity is one of those things that will eat away at the foundation of your faith. Eat away at little by little. All of these things, all six of them that we talked about, every one of these things are like, like water pressing in on that submarine, pressuring it, testing its durability, its ability to endure under the pressures. Progressive Christianity eats away at the foundation. Foundation core, which is the gospel, our message. Foundational doctrines of the Christian faith why is post-Christianity dangerous? Because it sounds like truth. This is its character. It sounds like truth. But it can be more deceiving than an obvious lie. Progressive Christianity is dangerous because it's commonly the last step one takes before leaving the faith. And this is not meant to be tied to Gateway City Church. But there's this term called a gateway drug. So progressive Christianity is like this gateway drug, which makes Christian, the Christian faith look just like the world. I mean, we lose our distinctives, right? We start to look just like the world, sound like the world, act like the world. But you know what happens if it becomes that common to one another? Then the conclusion will be, why do I even need Christianity? It's not any different. So just like Peter, we need a strong foundation. Can I share with you another story about foundations? 
we all maybe have seen that leaning tower in Italy, the leaning tower of Pisa. When I was younger, I always called that the leaning tower of Pisa. But one of the most photographed buildings in the world is the leaning tower of Pisa. Completed in the 13th century, the marble building has nearly 300 steps to the top. It's surrounded by a gorgeous Corinthian column and plays seven bells. The facade is lovely, but even as it's being constructed 800 years ago, it began to tilt. Today, the alignment at its top is more than 12 feet off, and the building is also sinking. Several efforts have been made to rectify the tower. Some have helped, others have actually made it worse. The problem is, what's the problem? The problem is the foundation. The tower was built on, this will sound familiar, sandy ground. They put this 800-foot building on, on sandy ground rather than rock. Jesus warned us about that, didn't he? The only foundation that keeps our faith from failing is the rock of the word of God. Redefining scripture, downplaying its harder parts, forcing it to submit to its own cultural preferences, it just weakens it. One day that tower will fall. Unless they correct and rebuild but rebuild from the bottom up, the foundation. And we know the story that they had that tower in San Francisco too, right? It was the same problem, the Millennium Tower. <laughs> they spent over $100 million trying to get that building right. Still not right, because it's still just a Band-Aid, because the foundation is messed up. We have to be strong in our foundations. I'm praying for Gateway City and this congregation right here. We need to be strong in our foundations. We need to be strong in the foundational truths of the gospel and the fundamentals and the word of God. We have lots of different scriptures in Jude. It says this, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once delivered, once for all delivered to the saints. Ephesians 2.20, together we are his house. We are his house. We are built on the foundation of who? The apostles, the prophets, and the cornerstone is Christ himself. I think we, we have a strong enough foundation. That's good news. But we need to stay with it, right? Keep it in our lives. So what's the bottom line? What's the real issue behind this of, of losing, maybe uh, compromising our foundation? It's when the church decides that maybe the Bible is not the absolute. And we talked to you about that. 
It's not the absolute. Because the root of progressive, progressivism is they doubt and question the absolute authority of Scripture. The authority of Scripture. It's just like there's, there's this uh, analogy. I don't see any sweaters in the house today. I don't know if I'd ever see a sweater in Clovis. Oh, we do. Have, well, yeah, kind of. But did you ever, <laughs> did you ever have a sweater? And, and I've had sweaters like this because I'm rough on them. I don't really like sweaters. Then I wear them and I'm kind of rough on them. And, and all of a sudden they will fray, you know, or I'll have a little thread pop up. And I look at that thing and, of course, I may try to grab it and Jan might be right, be right there. Don't pull that out of there. Because what happens? What happens when you start pulling on a shred, on a thread? It starts completely undoing. That's what progressive Christianity and any one of these particular lies, that you start pulling on that and the whole thing, your foundation will fall apart. So here's a statement for you. We don't have the authority. We accept full authority of the scripture as absolute. We don't have the authority to change it. Find it. I mean, it's, it's God himself. The word is God. And God is his word. Instead, we must give the word final authority to change us. I remember a pre preachers used to say a long time ago, it doesn't matter how much you get into the word. What matters is how much of the word gets in you. Because everything is filtered through this. We don't change or try to get this to fit us. But we fit and comply and align to the word of God. But pro progressive Christianity wants to completely flip it. When the music starts, I'll always go to my three points. Three ways we can experience, three ways we can experience the supernatural power of God. I want to talk about this word, this word right here. This is our foundation. This is all, this is all we need. Word and spirit. Word and spirit. And they're both right here. Number one, the word, it connects us. The word will connect you to God. Say, so why do you read your Bible? You know, I, and I know there's that, always that balance of praying and reading the Bible. Praying and reading the Bible. Can I tell you this? I'm not, I would never try to split hairs and argue with anybody and say, one is better than the other. But they're both necessary. They are both necessary. One without the other, you're missing out on something. But they both do this. 
This point, the word connects you to God. Prayer connects you to God. But the word connects you to God too. I'm saying that because sometimes we get caught up in a kind of a legalistic, all or nothing kind of mentality of, well, if I, you know, I don't have time to pray, and then what happens is you don't read your Bible either. Or I don't have time to read the Word. And then you, it's okay to pick one or the other. Pick. Man shall not live by bread alone, Jesus said. Man said that, God, Jesus said that right in the face of the devil himself. He looked at the devil right in his eyes and he said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. So I'm not worried about whether I'm hungry or I can change a stone into bread. We live by the word of God. It connects us. John 6, 68, Simon Peter, he answered the Lord. He said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. You are our only hope. We have believed and confidently trusted. And even more, we have come to know by personal observation and experience that you are the Holy One of God, the Christ, the Son of the living God. The Word connects us. Secondly, the Word protects you. Oh man, we could do a whole series on this one. How the Word of the Lord is your protection. It guards you. It will keep you from deception. It will keep you from illusion. It will keep you from sin. It will keep you and to keep you strong during temptation. It is, it is your sword of the spirit, the sword of the word against any devil in hell. No devil in hell, including Satan himself, is superior to this. He cannot stand. So it does. It protects you. It keeps you. It creates a barrier around you, a boundary around you, a standard around you. That word. I do like Psalm 119, 9 through 11. I know. I changed it up on you. How can a young man cleanse his way? How can an old man cleanse his way? Same way a young man cleanses his way. By taking heed according to your word. With my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. So do you see how these work together? I know we have point one, point two. Sometimes it kind of annoys me because there's overlap. The word connects you and the word protects you. They go together. 
thirdly, the, the word will prosper you. It will grow you. It will bless you. It will increase you. It will heal you. Inner healing, spiritual maturity, relational health. The word of God, the word of God has an ability to transform you. Transform your mind. Transform your heart. Transform your emotions. Transform your whole mindset of how you think. The word has a way to bring prosperity to every area of your life. That's why 2 Timothy says, all scripture is God-inspired. All scripture is breathed by God. Let's think about this for a moment. And when you read the word, and I've encouraged you to do this before, read the word out loud. Use your voice. Because then it is not just the word. It is the spoken word. Well, I'm speaking it. The spirit of God is in you. The spirit is breath. It's life. And when it's read, it's activated. I believe the Holy Spirit, the flesh becomes the spirit. Now, that won't work for you unless you have faith to believe it. So when I look at this and I think, oh, how you're studying your Bible and you look up Timothy and Oh, Timothy was written by Paul, and it was written by Timothy in approximately, you know, whatever, 70 A.D., whenever it was. And then we have this mentality of, that's when the word was written, so that's when it was spoken. What about now? I'm telling you, it has life from yesterday, today, and forever, and it is the same word now as it was then. That's why I, we, you, we need to read it and believe that it's the living word now. The, not just the logos, the written word, but it's the rhema, the God new breath, new life. Will that translate into you just feeling things? I'm not saying that. But it's still his word and it will prosper in what it is sent for. It will not return empty. It will not be void. It will accomplish So when it says all scripture is God-breathed, it, bre it breathes then, it breathes now, it will breathe tomorrow. It's profitable for instruction, conviction of sin, correction, error, restoration to obedience, training in righteousness, 
learning to live in conformity to God's will, publicly and privately behaving honorably with personal integrity and moral courage so that the man of God, you man of God, you woman of God, so you can be complete and proficient and you're outfitted and you're thoroughly equipped for every good work. What? What is that? The scripture. Let it breathe on you. Let it speak through you. Well, I'm not a preacher. Preach the word by reading it out loud. Read it to yourself. Let it, let it take on life and power to hear the word and hearing the word you have faith. So your faith will not fail. It will not falter. This was so important way back to the words given to Joshua, last scripture, Joshua 1, 8 and 9. It was a time in my life I had this whole thing memorized. I couldn't do it today. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. Because it's for then, for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Don't let this word, this word depart. Let progressive Christianity, modern Christianity, postmodernism, whatever you want to call it, don't trade any lie for this. Don't let this word depart from your mouth. May it ever come out of your mouth. Speak it. Say it. Read it. Meditate on it. Eat it. Hunger for it. May it not be something you do. May it be something you are. That you become. Even like Jesus. Because even like, even like Jesus, the word, the word became flesh. The word becomes flesh now in your life. But may we treasure it. Jesus said, I have prayed for you. I pray for you that your faith will not fail. You will be tested. You will be tried. 
we will overcome. By the word of God. By the blood of the Lamb. And yes, even by the word of our testimony, Revelation says, God. Testimony. Our testimony is the word of God. It really is. I'm not saying that's the only thing. It's not just your personal testimony, though. Let's uh, go to prayer and ask the Lord to stir our heart. Lord, we want to connect with you. We want your word to connect to us in a new way. May we fall in love with your word like never before. May we see it, Lord, as our, our protection. Your word, Lord, wants to prosper us. Prosper us, to heal us. Have your way, Lord. If you're not a Christian or you're viewing this online and you you're not you have never accepted Christ as your Savior, as your Lord, you can do this right where you are. Jesus died for your sins. He was buried and he rose again from the dead on the third day. By faith, you put your faith in him and what he has done. You can receive him right now. Just simply asking, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Make me your child, Lord. I want you to be the Lord of my life. I accept your word. I accept your truth. I accept you, Lord, as the true and living God. I receive you now in Jesus' name. This concludes. Like I say, I, I encourage you to keep studying. Keep searching. Don't accept anything as fact. Don't accept anything as fact. Be a fact checker like you never have before. You don't know what a word means? Look it up. Wow, now it's almost like we have no excuse with all the crazy Google stuff we can do. You'd be amazed what I'll ask Google about or ask Siri about. I test her every day. Sometimes I believe her and sometimes I don't. The only thing I really believe absolute, totally 100%, 
no doubt, it's this right here. It's the only thing I can fully, 100% trust. listening to our Gateway Sermon podcast at our Gateway City Church, Clovis Campus. We'll be releasing a new episode every week, so be sure to subscribe so you don't miss out. Gateway City Church is one church that meets in multiple cities. To find us or to learn more, visit mygatewaycity.church. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you right here next week.